Thanks everybody for like uh, getting with me about moving from uh, from house to house. house. Everybody's uh, everybody I talk to, they're like, "Hey man, how'd the move go?" And it's like people I don't even know. I didn't even know. They call the shop and they're just like, "Oh, I need to order some stuff." They don't say anything about the podcast, and they're like, "How'd the move go?" And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> "I'm like, who is this? Who are you? But, are you, are uh, you watching me?" I was lucky enough before I left the old hood is I saw a repo man show up. Did you? Yes, so. Looking for you? No, and like, <laughs> well, that's what I was worried about. Cause, well, I wasn't worried about that. I pay my bills, you know. But I'm sitting on my front steps. It's probably 11.30 at night. Now, I've kind of described the old hood to you guys, right? So if you walk out my front door. It's a housing complex. Every house looks identical. Yeah, it's, it's very cookie Every street cutter. has the same name. Every street. A lot of people get lost because there's Hawthorne Street, Hawthorne Court, Hawthorne Circle, and then it's spelled differently. So it's Hawthorne without an E circle, Hawthorne with an E. I've been to your house like half a dozen times and I'm still not sure. You still got to plug it into GPS. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm sitting out front. It's like 1130 at night and uh, I see this white... Uh, what do they call them? Tow truck. The white tow truck comes up, right? He parks on the corner. So I have the lights out. Everybody in the house is asleep. I'm just sitting on the front porch and I see this guy get out and he starts walking down the street. I was like, oh snap, is that a repo man? <laughs> nice. But he doesn't see me. He walks right past me because that little nook is really dark yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The street light Your porch right there, in his right? Face. Well, he goes to the house next door. So I is this the dog house? No, this isn't the dog house. This is exactly on the opposite side. Okay. So okay. no fingers and butts. At, well, there might be fingers and butts at that house because mm -hmm. it's like a flop house, right? Okay. So I thought there was like, uh, I thought they were like cooking meth at one point because it smelled like cat piss outside. But anyways, so I get up and I walk down the steps and I look around the corner and I see him walk up their driveway and he's looking at this car. So I step out a little bit more. So I'm in the light now and his like spidey senses go off. He stops, perks up, turns around and looks at me. And I'm just standing there, I got a drink in my hand, right? So I just give him a friendly wave and then he waves back and then he looks at the car and then he looks at me like I'm gonna dime him out, like, <laughs> you know, sound the alarm or something, right? So I give him the, go ahead and take that. Yeah, that high yeah, sign. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead and take that. Do your job. So he gives me a thumbs up, I give him a thumbs up, he turns around Flashes his uh, his flashlight on the um, on the VIN number, right? Checks it. Yep, checks it. Looks at the house. Looks over the fence. Looks around. Walks back over to his tow truck. Pulls up in front of their house. Backs up like in a like he did like a twenty point turn. Mm -hmm. like, like real quick. Yep. Linked this thing up on the on the tow truck. Picked it up. The alarm starts going off. Nice. So I was like, oh no. Well, he jumps out real quick, reaches under like the fender or something and just rips out some cables. Alarm shuts off. He gets back into his truck, drags this thing down the street, right? And in my head, I'm going, that's what you motherfuckers get for keeping me up till three o'clock in the morning the other night. Yep, yep. But what kind of car I'll was it? I'll eventually get you back. I don't know how, but I will get you, Gary. What kind of car was it? Uh, oh, it, Gary, you're talking to Gary. <laughs> that was Gary, Gary, you're going to get repoed. Yeah, I'm telling you. It may be an active. Gary sent like, me a key. It may be active and it may be passive, but somehow I'm going to get you. I got to protect Gary. He sent me a key. I'm a key holder. Oh, I saw that. It is the key to his heart. It is. It's like Gozer, man. It was like a little, it was a, it was a Honda something or other. It was like a newer car. Gary's a, Gary's a key master. And you're the gatekeeper. I'm the gatekeeper. gatekeeper. Gozer. 
This is Mike from Mile High Shooting. And Frank from Sniper's High. And you're listening to The Everyday Sniper. Thank you guys for joining us today. We have Paul Sievers, who is also from Mile High Shooting, um, former Ranger combat veteran. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, Say hi, Paul. Your, your background. How you guys doing? I, uh, did Holy 12, smokes. You're loud. So it down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I did 12 years in the Army. Uh, 10 of them were up at 2nd Ranger Battalion. Uh, I got uh, nine deployments, seven in Iraq, and uh, the rest in Afghanistan. Right on. Well, thanks for coming out here with us. And you did you did some sniping with that? Yeah. So uh, our recce guys went to sniper school, and then uh, as like a reenlistment option, they uh, kind of let you hang out with them guys for thirty or forty-five days to get trained up. So right on. So a lot of the this a lot of this stuff is not new to you, and that's kind of. Where we were at at Mile High, we were like, okay, we need somebody who's, who's, who's trained up, somebody who knows what they're talking about. And the more I get to know Paul personally, you've been working for us for like a month now or something. Yeah, months. Yep. The more I get to know him, this guy is like a ballistics ninja. So when you call to ask me questions about ballistics, I'm just going to give you straight over to the Paul. Paul. Yep. There you go. That's the way to do it, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm in between my trips, so I have three more days home. Where are you going next? Back to Alaska. I got my last gig at Alaska. We got a, uh, our last class, and then uh, we have our uh, reunion or our. Uh, it's probably starting to get really dark there now. Yeah, it'll get dark, and there'll be some aurora light glow. But then I, I, we have the we have my last class Saturday nights to party for the lodge. Sheep Creek has their anniversary because uh, it's the X number of years for Sheep Creek, and then they do fireworks and a big party and food and drink. That's and then cool. Sunday is our alumni shoot. And then I'll be home Tuesday, and then Friday we have a class. That's right. We have our last class. Our last here. class. And then um, after that, we are going to figure out what we're doing for next year. Yes. And then we also, Frank and I have been talking offline about this stuff and um, just kind of going back to the the match shooting stuff. We may have something that we want to put together on that and uh, yeah we talked about a different thing so and this is episode 99 so 100 we're going to have some stuff for you guys uh, mike already coordinated that and and so that's all set we'll talk to you about that at episode 100 but um yeah we're gonna we're gonna put some stuff on the calendar for everybody for 2019 it's gotten so popular that i think we we got to ramp it up a little bit a few extra classes a few mix up in the classes um, after seeing a bunch of stuff going on, I think I'm going to do a dedicated two-day win class, and we'll talk about that because we're doing it so much easier than other people. Uh, I've got to like see. It. Yeah, it seems like it. And you know, when we really started bringing that to the table, um, I, I kind of went over some of that with Paul, and Paul was giving me his uh, his version of how he's calling wind, and uh, you can probably cue us into that here in a little bit when we start getting into this, the episode, really. Um, but after we kind of put numbers to it and we kind of dumbed it down and, took, and trimmed off all of the fat and just left the actual, hey, this is what you need to do to find this number. Mm -hmm. It seems like every class that we've had that we've taught that to, because being hands-on with it is a lot easier than talking over the radio or talking over the phone to you guys. Uh, being hands-on with it and be able to go, here, Mike, here's my Kestrel. Show me what you're talking about. Right. And then that, that seemed to work out. So at the Precision Rifle Expo that you went to, I didn't, I, I didn't get to hear any of the last episode. I'm kind of I'm 
behind a little bit, but um, were they doing different stuff out there? Well, yeah, because I got to, well, I got to sit in a couple times on Emil's, um, Emil Praslik. He's AMU guy, applied ballistics, win got a coach for them. I hope you're not repeating yourself just for my benefit. No, no, okay. it's cool. Uh, um, I got to sit in on, on... I'll just stop. We'll go back and listen to it yeah, all together. Yeah, we're good. I'll, I, I got to sit in on his win class. He's calling the win per mile an hour. He's using the old formulas and stuff, and he's basing a lot of that off of the old Marine Corps formula and the same formula we talked about. I got to see how he's doing it and, and what he's doing. And it, it's it's kind of, and, and not any knock on him, it's his, it's his method, it's how he's done it. He's, he's Like I said, he's like a 25, 30 year AMU guy. And I'm sure um, it works. Right, and it totally works for them and what they do. I mean, he did everything that you find in your data book on wind to the point of like calling the wind flags like they do on a square range. But he breaks it down into one mile an hour. He, he's doing it based off of that. And then he's working the cosine and he's doing the cosine right and everything. So the wind rose, he doesn't have the problem with the wind rose error. I think I, I explain it in a little bit more entertaining way. But um, no, he, he, he broke it down he went into a lot of detail, but again, it was the older way of doing it. Mm -hmm. And it's the same high power, square range way of doping the wind. I feel like sometimes it's just too much information. It's a lot. It, and and it, it requires, and it's funny because he did that constant in the longhand math. And that constant's for 308s, man. He wasn't really manipulating the constant much. And I know when we looked at it, like the constant most people use is like 15. Okay. Right. And I know when so what he's talking about is the constant that we've the, always been referring to. You have like three or four numbers that you go off. Yeah, of, it's 15, 14, the, 13, 12, and it goes down on the wind formula. Your bullet weights. But that's data you have to go out and get. You don't have any preset anything. Right. And when I did that with guys with a 6.5, we looked at some of those numbers and I ran the constant backwards. You need like 26 for a 6.5 and not 15. So you have to have your win call in order to play the formula backwards to get the correct constant for your rifle and bullet. And Paul's just over here nodding his head. He's like, well, you know the win formula we're talking about. It's the same one in the data book. It's the same one they taught us. It's the whole degrees. I can pull up my, I got my data book here because we're running notes. Yeah, degree per the flag. The flag. Angle. It's right in here. Here's range in 100 yards times wind speed divided by miles per hour and the wind constant in the full MOA. And it shows constants 15, 14, 13, 12, 11. And, and then it has the conversion. And then the flag is right here. Uh, a divided by four equals miles per hour angle of the flag a divided by four equals your miles per hour So a 60 degree angle on the flag divided by four. That's a 15 mile an hour wind So you just have to hope that there's a flag. In yeah, target. exactly He was going over that kind of stuff and, and basically he broke down what you see in your your impact data book so the two pages that they have in there is sort of what he went over and, and again, it's not explain that. it's not wrong and he explained it in, in, in a lot of detail, but I just think kind of what we're doing and the fact that people are using mills more than MOA right now, it's easier the way we do it without the conversions, without the changing, because his formula is an MOA based. Mm -hmm. And so he's still working off the MOA stuff. And, and then and he's- I'm still trying to figure out a clever way to, to get that same thing that we have with mills the conversion yeah just a real quick snap but without doing the conversion stuff like yeah that's knowing for understanding with yeah and instead of doing all that longhand math on the line and uh, carrying the one i just don't have time for it i just want to make a shot but i mean even today's acting like we, we're out here at the range you might get an echo of we're in the box 
Um, sweat box. The what, sweat do you, box. what do you call it in the class? You call it the what bar? What was it? I don't remember. The bar, the bar that you go to. Oh, Slims. The Slims. Slims. Yeah, it's from the Philippines. Yeah. It's the it's a Magasaisai there. Slims bar. If anybody's ever been to Longa Pub, Slims. Hookers and blow. Hookers and blow down at Slims. Pick out the number. I want. <laughs> what they used to have to tell you. So Slims is like this. It it was barely <laughs> wide enough for you to get behind somebody to get a chair. Your back is against the wall. Then there's a little tiny bar to put your drink and then it has like these little golf like a, a number piece of paper with like a little golf pencil right. well behind the bartender is a runway like a, a elevated instead of it having liquor behind her it has an elevated pad like a runway and then there's a doorway attached to it with numbers one through five well number lights up like number two and then five girls come out with numbers on their bikinis you know, topless, the whole thing. And then what you'll do is you'll look at them all and you can let them rotate all 25 of them, rotate the girls through, but then you come back through and then you take your piece of paper and you go, okay, light number two, girl number three, and you write light two, girl three. So you're making a dream sheet, right? Yeah, so no, you just give it to the bartender and you pay the girl's bar fine and you get that yeah, girl. Yeah, but what if like two people roll, or three Or you gotta be faster than the other guy. So you, first come, first serve. First come, first serve. So then you gotta go back and go, oh, well, maybe But you either four. gotta be quick on the drawer and know what you want, or you, like you could do like I do, and sometimes I'd stake it out the night before. That's a good idea. And 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 Did then the numbers stay the same though. Well, the you, you gotta hope, right? So you so you I know mean, they may have swapped out the human trafficking at that point. They may have, but odds are no. <laughs> they camp out at the bar because you're paying the bar. The girl works for the bar. <laughs> anyway, so we're talking about 308s today. Yeah, 308. So we're shooting 308s. We're out here at the so, range. Um, we had we had said a while back, and actually I was with Adam. It was yeah. They thought Adam. And they were asking like, "What's Adam's 308 project?" And I'm like, "Adam's never going to shoot a 308." And well, I couldn't figure out what the guy was talking about. And that Adam and I had talked about it in a podcast, and we were we were going to do more training with a 308, and um, you know, try to get some data out to you guys. So I went to the extreme, and I said, "You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and do a 16 inch 308," mm-hmm. and then I put a five inch Thunder Beast on it. And then we kind of passed it around a little bit, you know, it changed hands and we were looking at it like, yeah, what could possibly go wrong with this? This is perfect. It's light. You can pick it up. You can shoot offhand with it and everything. I mean, it is a, it is a very, very compact, um, it's the ultimate cop gun. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with the results that we had today and we'll get into that. But, um, Frank and I and Adam had talked about shooting 308s. Adam couldn't be here today. He was out of town. Uh, he was teaching an armors course down in Chandler. And uh, I think some of those guys are listening. So, hey, what's up, guys? And um, Paul threw his 308 on his AX, and he was like, let's get the dirty deed done. Yeah, I brought my 20-inch. You so, brought a 16. Yep. So we wanted to get some different results and get you guys some info on what we were doing out here so that you can make a decision. If you're if you're going back to a 308 or if you want to get into this and you want to start with the 308, which I highly recommend, uh, especially after today, that was a lot of fun. So um, you brought a 20 inch? 20 inch AX, my 10, yep. And that, yeah, you're 2010, so you're pre-2014. I got a 24 inch. You were running a 24 inch. now. Frank, you were running 175s. Yep, 175 Prime. 175 Prime, and what, what do you think you were getting out of those? I'm um, like just at 2600. Just the 26? Yeah, 2585, 2600, depending on the lot. Okay. And then 
both Paul and I were running the Hornadies, and Paul did a lot of research. So what what like I was I was talking with you because we sit next to each other. I was like, are we doing one seventy fives? We're doing one sixty eights. So you're like, I got this, and you put your hand up, and then you went to work. So what did you, what did you come up with? Well, Why did you choose what you chose? I looked at the one sixty eight ELDs because it's got a higher BC than the one seventy fives, and I knew you could push it just a little bit faster out of that sixteen inch barrel. I didn't want to go with the 155s just yet because it has a lower BC and I, I was looking for velocity out of your gun. And I mean, what was you around, 2480? Was, uh, you gave me 2480, I tested it at uh, 800. So I zeroed at 100 and then went straight to 800. We didn't bust out a chronograph at all today. No, we didn't, we, we just, just checked zero. Cause I swapped scopes, I'm running a Schmidt LRR. The new one, the 5 to 25 with the new reticle, so I had a zero too. So some of you are probably wondering how we got to muzzle velocity. So what what I came up with in my solution, uh, it was 2475 or 2473, one of the two. Yeah, that's pretty good. I was giving you around, yeah, 2500, somewhere in there, give or take, yep. 10 feet per second. Yeah, you were like 2480, try that. And yep. I was like, and just bumped it down like seven miles an hour, mm -hmm. like seven feet per second. Yeah, and I looked at where it went transonic, and I thought that that's the ticket right there, because in 175s, we're going transonic right at 1,000. But we also had the conversation between the Hornady and the gold medal match. I've had really good luck with that Hornady uh, match ammo. I'm a Hornady fan, man. Yeah. That stuff is so good. Totally. That's out all of, I've used for my six mil. Yeah, out of my six Creed, I'm getting SDs in the single digits. And so I thought, let's give this a try and see what it can do. And I mean, it's pretty amazing ammo right off the shelf. Which is funny because before I was using... Um, the gold medal match, the 168 gold medal, because that was shooting really well for me mm -hmm. out of that gun. And didn't even, honestly, it didn't even cross my mind to go, you know what, using ELD Hornady. And yeah, to bump up the BC on the bullet a little bit. Didn't even bit. look at that. Didn't right. even, to right. me, I didn't even care because the gold medal was shooting for me. And then we had that conversation, you're like, dude, I know what gold medal does. I don't care. I want to do something different. Yeah. Yeah. That that Hornady, them ELDMs and ELDXs. I mean, they fly. They got a good. And you had a conversation about tubs with that too, didn't you? Yes, about the because the, the tips. Yeah, because the, the, of the it ring. creates the nose ring, and that the plastic tip creates the same nose ring effect. So it'll transition a little bit better being plastic tipped, because that's uniform the nose. And then where the difference between the tip and the and the copper becomes becomes your nose ring. And that's what helps it transition better and, and it stay, oh, because we're shooting subsonic here. We took Mike out to 1425, and so uh, he had no problem with that. I mean, not that the wind, but um, just to get back up a little bit, I do have the conditions written down. So anybody who's keeping track at home and you want to start crunching numbers, our temperature when we were shooting was 76 degrees. Our barometric pressure is 2526. So we're 4,500 feet above sea level here at our range. So 25, 26, our humidity is 22%, huge difference from last week at freaking Georgia. I bet. And so again, our altitude's 4,500. Our DA was 6,800, rounded up to 7,000. So 7,000 feet density altitude today. Um, and then uh, again, shooting 168 ELDs. So you could just, like I said, 25 or 2475 to 2500, and I'm running 175s at about 2575 give or take um to 2600 out of a 20 inch uh barrel your 16 inch barrel 
And we really weren't that far off numbers wise. No, between the 20 and the 16, and what you got your numbers pulled up? Yeah, it was uh, so my 24 inch barrel was 2683. 24, 22. Barrel. 24. Yeah, yeah, 24. 24. 24. Okay. If you guys are listening barrel. and you're gonna build a 308, 22 is optimal. If you want the Best middle ground to get everything out of your 308 and to be a happy camper, you want 22. 22 gives you the best of everything without going super long into the 24s, 26s, 28s, you know. With a 10 twist. There's yeah, a lot 10 of twist. manufacturers out there running 12s. Yeah, you want 10 twist. Uh, 10's, 10's optimal for the 308, what we're doing. And everything you want, you can run out of a, a, a 10. Um, that's not a problem. I mean, 11, 11 and three or 11 and a quarter is, is become standard for a lot, but 10 is the happy number when we're back a little shorter. So a 10 twist, 22 inch is a nice, a nice little deal. And, and I got some numbers here for, I doped out mine. Like I said, I swapped my, my scopes all up today. I'm running that new Schmidt. This is one of the nicest Schmitts I've gotten in a long, long time. The LRR is nice. The one thing I did notice is at a hundred yards, I put the illumination on because it gave me a little bit better fine tune. I can quarter the target. No Do they problem. have that reticle up online yet? Yeah, I it is. It up. Okay. Yeah, and it I was, is. And I got a chance to look at it and I was like, okay, there's dashes and stuff going on. Right it's point one, point two, point one, point two. Exactly. So the, the dash is point one, the, get, the, the, the hash mark is point two, the dash is point one. And what I like about it is it's got a little bitty tiny floating dot. It's got the gap and then a 0.2 hash mark. Then it's a gap, a 0.2 hash mark, and then a gap in your half mil. So it's totally like right in there and, and you have a lot of adjustability inside the closeness of the reticle within that half mil mark, you can break it up. Uh, but I did on a black target, I did pop the illumination on to see it a little bit better. Maybe I gotta tweak it for my eyes. I'm not wearing my glasses today. I just got my sunglasses on and that could be a contributing factor. But I popped that illumination on. It was McMoney. There's one whole group down there at 100. Yeah. So it, it's it's cool. But my dope for this rifle, Prime 175, 300 was 1.3, 400 2.2, 500 3.1, 600 is 5.2, 800 is 7.0, 900 is 8.3, 1,000 is 9.5, 11.25 is 12.8. And I held over and hit 14.25. I had 14 on the gun, which is where it tops out. Excuse me, where it tops out. I'm on a flat base. I kind of got to do it. I only have 14 mils of adjustment, just the way my, my base and mount is. So I held six mils over. I dialed on my win, which I got my win to 1.8, 1.9. Then I, I, I dialed that on. I held left side, right side of plate. And I used between six and seven mils of holdover because it changed. I'm subsonic, and I got two. I got, two I got yeah, just shy of two mils of win, and I'm um, um, I'm about six mils of holdover, and I got two hits out of eight shots. So I think it took seven. I had eight in the mag, and there was one left in. So seven shots, two hits, um, at fourteen twenty-five with a twenty-inch three hundred eight. So there you go. And then Mike did 10 shots out of his 16-inch and got yeah. two, and you got your data. Yeah, I'll give, uh, give you guys some numbers. So what I'm running, uh, post-2014 AX, 16-inch barrel, 5-inch Thunder Beast, um, a sperm out. So I actually have 40 collectively, 
in my rail and my mount. So yeah, yeah. I'm running a 4602 on my Night Force, an SP4602 spur mount, which is uh, 34 mil to six mils of uh, angle, and then one and a half inches high. So it put me exactly where I was when I was using my QD mount last time. Mm -hmm. And I had zero MOA in my QD mount. So I took my QD mount off and I put it on a 20 more MOA. Right. And I always get this question, and I just wanted to bring this up real quick. I always get that question like, well, is 40 too much? Well, it depends on which scope. Right. So if you have a Schmidt or something or a Night Force, which I'm using, where you have all the adjustment in the world, I mean, we, we ran my turret up and what was it at? Like 31? 31 mils of adjustment and with 40 MOA. So I was perfect. I could have kept on shooting and that actually helped me out. Yes, because now you can. Because I needed to get to 1425 today and I was at 24, I believe. 24. 24, anywhere. yeah. 20, I was 20, just at 20 to 21 because I got some vertical spread happening. So I'm 20 to 21 mils. Mike is using 24. I was at 24. So he's a mil short for every inch of less barrel he has than me. Yeah. So, and I think our data lines up. To right 800. Total, well, I think almost uh, only to like 500 because let's see. Uh, uh, what are you at eight? Uh, You're seven, three, seven, four. Uh, 800, I am 7.3. Okay, I'm 7.0 even. This morning I was 7.4. Right now I think it's because we're in Yeah, the we're getting hot. Yeah. We're getting hot. Um, but looking at it, it was 200 was half, 300 was 1.3, 400 was 2.3, 500 was 3.3, 600 is 4.5. Yeah, so we go at 500, you two tenths off, and then yeah. it starts to grow. And then it there. really starts to drop. Yeah. Um, I was... But it's been doable because the accuracy's there. The guns are accurate. Oh, the accuracy's totally there. This morning we went from, I went from my zero target to 800 yards, um, adjusted my elevation, which corrected my muzzle velocity. Mm -hmm. Once I had corrected muzzle velocity, I went to a thousand and I went three for four at a thousand with the yeah. 16 and Paul was on the spotter for that. And then I started at one and just went right back out and brought it out to 1425. And there was uh, maybe one or two targets that I had issues with because I couldn't see any splash and I wasn't going to waste any more ammo on it. Right. So we got to, I think it was 1325. 13, there was no splash. Yeah, there was no splash. So I was like, dude, I'm not dropping a box of ammo on this thing. I'm moving, I'm going to move on. So uh, because at the 14, we could actually see what was going on. And uh, I was... I can't remember. I was either super high or super low at 14 when we. You were super low when we initially started. Because none of my data lined up after right. 1100. After yeah. after 1100, at 1100, I was at 13.4, and we come up two mils on that one. Yep. So I was like right at 15. Yeah, I'm 12. What I say, 12.8 for 1125. But I was banging away on the 11. I got 11. yeah, I got hits on that, no problem. Once we figured out, you know, the wind. how far it was dropped now, off, but also the wind was a little The tricky. wind, we noticed that your 1425, just in the wind gust, we're talking like a six to eight mile an hour wind, which for mm. out here, it's nothing. We did the math on that We one. did the math on it, and what we figured is he's seeing 18 inches in variation from shot to shot because of wind change to wind change. So where he's losing is in that wind drift column, because the elevation's just the number, you know what I mean? And, and he, once you're there, you're usually pretty good beyond the vertical spread of your round, your SD, your vertical spread. But wind drift, we saw 18 inches either left or right between 
the, the gusts and lulls of the wind. And like I said, we're probably doing about a two to three mile an hour change in wind. Yep. And so how I, how I came to that basically was I dialed my wind on and then took 10 shots at it. And it was just, it varied left edge, right edge, left edge, right edge, hit, hit, left edge, right yeah. edge, left edge, right edge. So it was, you know, it was a, it was a small variation. I was, I, frankly, I was surprised at uh, the performance of it out to that distance. I didn't think it was going to get much out of a thousand after. I mean, if you learn it and you get, you practice with it, it's the guys with one rifle. I mean, I, I that Steve Lemieux up there in, in Canada showed up with the coyote, the PGW coyote. He's a 308 guy. He was shooting better than the new shooters with a 6.5 because it's his one gun. That's what he works with, and that's what he does. And, and you know, fair the man with one gun, he may know how to use it. And, and that's the deal with if you're a 308 guy and you practice it, you can do reasonably well. Where you're running into, and I just did a video on this. I, I kind of ditched around the side for these guys. Time. I did a video about time. Because there's time in these systems, in the faster, smaller wind cheater calibers are out of the barrel so much quicker. Where the 308s are going so slow, it's, it's a longer dwell time. You have to be in that position, you have to freeze your movement longer than a guy who's shooting a 6mm at 3,000 feet per second. You know, because it's out so quick. I also want to bring up the recoil on that 16 inch. So that recoil on the 16 inch, you have to over exaggerate your prone platform. You can't just go, okay, I'm going to have it in my right shoulder. It's going to run down the right side of my body. When you do that, you pull the trigger and this 16 inch wants to jump because there's no weight on the front. Yeah. It just wants to go up, right? Recoil well, you're running a Harris too and yeah. the Harris don't forgive. Right. But so. recoil still goes up, it goes back and it mm -hmm. takes the path of least resistance. Yep. Well, the path of least resistance is up. Is up. And then when it comes back down, it sets down to the right is what it was doing for me. So I had to scoot my entire body over behind it so that my belt buckle was in line with my shoulder. Yep. So it was coming down the exact you know center line of my body. Right. Which it wants out. a little more for so it. So after that, all it would do, it would come up and set back down. And then I was able to go, okay, now I can spot everything. And then make my correction. And there were some points where I was making a correction and firing a shot before I had a correction from the spotter. Just because I could see it and I go, okay, yeah, translated, boom, superimposed, done. And that's where guys can get lazy with the six millimeters, man. When they're talking now, they're doing 18 to yes. 22 inch rifle, or 22 pound rather, 18 to 22 pound rifles, that 26 inch, 27 inch straight taper barrels. You know, they're going super heavy with them, so they sit on the bags and they don't move off the bag. And then they got a super effective break. I mean, heck, there's even guys doing four port breaks on a six millimeter. And you're letting it settle and sink into these bags. They get a little lazy in recoil management wise, and and, and I don't mean that. I mean it's just a term, you know. So don't don't. I'll get phone calls. Yeah, I'll get phone calls like I got yesterday. Oh, I'm not lazy. My, use my name in vain. Um, you know, but it, yeah, you you have to know what you're look. This is why you take a class. This is why you get the why behind it. Why is this happening? Well, because you have a 16-inch barrel with a heavier bullet with slower movement and more recoil to it. So now you have to stack your body behind it better, where if you go to the 6-millimeter, it's out quicker. It doesn't have time to react. And, and again, the bipod matters. That Harris is, 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 the Harris is your lowest common denominator in a bipod. It's, it, it's spring-loaded, stiff, doesn't forgive. 
versus you know I'm running a lead iron on this rifle mm-hmm. and and fucking thing don't move. No, you know what it, I mean? Yeah, it's just straight back. Yeah, it yeah, just yeah. pops, and all it's doing is flexing straight back into my shoulder pocket. So you know it it supports that firing task so much better. And you know at 100 yards I stacked them in one hole. So I mean that's kind of what happens. What you have on your data for your rifle? So let's see here. At 200 yards, I had 0.45, 300, I had 1.1, one, one, 400s, 1.9, one, 500s, 2.8. And he's 2.8, 1. 1.9. Yeah. Uh, 3.7 mils at 6, 7 was 4.8 mils, 800 was 6.1. 900 was 7.3, 1,000 was 8.7, uh, then it got a little hairy there at uh, 11.25. And I'm about a full mil off of him, with yeah. four inches of difference between 24 to 20, I'm almost a full mil slower than uh, what Paul's doing and there. Then you that 14.25 was an 18.3, 18.3 mils. But our so you're almost a one and a half less than me. Yep. Yeah, 1.7 less than me. So it's a little better inside a thousand, yeah. and it's pretty comparable outside of a thousand. Yeah, and we all know that we're with these with these calibers, we're going to make our money between six and eight hundred yards. Period. Yeah, you know, regardless or of rain. barrel length. Yeah, regardless of barrel length, regardless of elevation, that's where we're going to make our money is that six to eight hundred yards. We just wanted to take it out further, and you said at a thousand, you were at what eight something? Yeah, eight seven, eight eight, I think. Let's see. And that put me at 10.6. And I'm 9.5. And then what is that? A difference of... you? I'm 0.8 off of So one. I was uh, 8.7. 8.7 mils at 1,000. No. Okay. So 8.7. So I'm... Um, yeah. I'm 0.8. I'm 0.8 slower at 1,000. And then I'm 1.9. So... You're almost double. Yeah. I'm almost double what you have. You and me. Yep. And what, uh, what barrel length again? 24, 24 inch. 24 inch. So... 10 twist. Yep. So the math there, we chopped off. I'm a ten. And yours, yours is a ten you know? too. Is yours a ten or yeah, a it's a ten. Okay, we're yeah. all tens. Yeah, one and ten twists. We're all shooting one and tens. So there you go. And and it's it's like I said, we're not. I mean, we're we're admin and we're prone and we're not on somebody's clock, but we're all seeing good hits and it's really just chasing the wind. You really then that's where WTF. You gotta know the wind. You gotta do the wind, and that doesn't matter, regardless of any caliber. Once you sort your elevation out, all your focus should then be on the wind. You really want to push that wind call. You really want to make sure you understand the, the the angle and the variation, what's going on. And and it's interesting because we had I don't know if you if you heard the part with the tub conversation. Where he's looking at a wind rose, and because of like a boat analogy, when you're when you're driving your boat on a on a lake or in the ocean, however you want to do it, that that two thirty four thirty or three thirty, I guess it would be two thirty three thirty, and nine thirty eight thirty, he thinks has a little bit more value when we're pushing slow like this. So we're off center here with the wind, but we're seeing a pretty healthy full value. Um, with the wind well, size. Yeah, and the way that the wind was actually coming at us, it was it was in our faces. Mm-hmm. At, at first, first, right, when we first, first started, it was in it our was, face. It was right in our face, but we were still holding off like a four or five mile an hour wind. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't like we were just gonna cut straight through, you know, due north or whatever onto the you know, onto the target. It was 
okay, well, we still have to hold wind. Which side is it coming from more? Right. You know, and it turned out most of the, most of the day it was. Uh, it's angling back side. to our normal. Yeah. yeah, it's angling back to normal to our left side wind. We get wind out of the left here, which would be south for us. Um, so that's due south is where our wind comes from. So right now we're looking at like a southwest wind coming in at us. And, um, you know, we just got to look at that angle and we have to be able to dope it. And I don't know, I think our wind calls were pretty good today. It was oh, yeah. my, amazing how fast my 308 calls came back. Yeah, and it was, I was using that wind formula. I was thinking about that stuff that, that we've been teaching. Um, and it, I have to do it, like when we do a class or something like that, we have to figure out, okay, well, what is the student shooting? Uh, are you guys shooting a, a 6 mil, a 6.5, a right. 308? A 338 a 300 wind mag I've had them all on the line and on that first day we have to make all those wind calls so I was just reverting back to that reverting back to that 308 stuff that we had with Eddie and um, Chet mm -hmm. and Chet, yeah, Eddie and Chet and they did really well and I felt like I was doing good with that so I was like well I can do that but then I cut you know eight inches off the barrel and yeah. <laughs> and slowed yeah. it down a little bit so I think most of 30 cal rounds are a little unforgiving in terms of when I run a 300 wind mag and I mean it still gets yeah, in effect I mean, it's still there I took it out 1600 yards and I mean I'm still holding a ton just like a 308 would you know mm -hmm. and and that's where I'm noticing with the Kestrels that by doing the BC and by tweaking the BC and not playing the muzzle velocity game the wind calls on the Kestrel have been lining up better okay. because it's using the BC anyway for its wind call and when the velocity gets tweaked in what I would like to call an unnatural way, because that's what it's using the true, I find it corrupts your wind call within the Kestrel. And now, as we've mentioned dozens of times and people have asked about, I know they posted on Sniper's Hide a lot about it. Yes, we turn off the first wind zone value. Uh, WS1 is zero. Mm -hmm. And then we put our red wind in WS2, and then that's using the pure wind call and not the spin drift and all the other stuff mixed in because I'm not, I have that shit turned off anyway. I'm not using it. So then I'm looking at my wind calls and, and I looked at it in Canada. I looked at it down in Tennessee. And Tennessee was kind of a bad thing because I was still learning that Valkyrie round and stuff and I didn't have the BC tweaked very well. Like it was too much wind when I came out to try to dope it. Mm -hmm. it, it was just a, a bad situation. But you know on the other rifles by tweaking that bc by making the adjustment to line up my 800 yard drop with the bc i find my wind calls in the machine are much better and by machine i mean kestrel i find that my wind calls are much better in the device and i'm not struggling to go well shit, this don't line up or i'm tweaking the wind because in the past what i used to do is I would just raise or lower the wind speed until it matched my dope at that given yard lines, and then I kind of stick with that number. But now I'm finding I can put a, a, a true and corrected wind value in there as long as the BC has been tweaked for my system. But also make sure you're doing your direction of fire. Yeah, the direction of fire all has to get done. Yeah. All the cosines, all that stuff has to get make done. Make sure you're, you know, if it's coming in at you from two o'clock make sure it's you got to crush your, it you yeah. got to do your capture you got to do your rain you know all your stuff you have to do the crush but the bc tweak is helping line that up and i bet it's messing with uh, some of the elevation stuff too yes so it is at yeah, distance and it, and it starts to tweak it a little bit more so even though some of you guys aren't using your kestrel to call wind 
because you're more confident stepping up to the plate, still still dial it in and see if it messes with your elevation so that you have an idea or a better idea because you can step up and go, okay, right now I got to shoot, uh, you know, 12 mils, 12 mils to the target. Boom. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's 12.2. Right. Because the wind. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Make sure you guys are tweaking that stuff and actually checking on it, and then and then if you don't want to use your wind after that, if you don't want to use your wind after that, just shut it off. Direction of wind matters. It velocity matters, of course. You really want to be over that. You you need about ten to twelve miles per hour before you really start to see it, unless like we're doing, we're shooting transonic and subsonic, so now the wind has a much bigger effect and a much less predictable effect. Because we're trans and subsonic beyond a thousand yards with both of our rifles. So that's that's really has a bearing on what we're doing in the wind. I kind of cut you off. What were you going to say? Nothing. Uh, I, uh, Mike and I had a big long talk about this. Uh, uh, truing your dope via BC or uh, muzzle velocity. And I, I think I think you kind of kind of got to do both of them to 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 get it where you need. And it does it tweaks, but it's yeah. a less of a tweak. And and even Tub talked about it. Tub kept saying, you know, your BC's changing, your BC's changing, and he was talking about like an SD of zero. I mean, he gets sing, like single digit loads, and he has loads two and below. I've seen it from him. Um, you know, at the King of Two Miles stuff, his SD is like a two. Yeah, you know, in in I don't but, that kind of time, dude. No, but, he's work there. but he's tweaking the BC, and he's seeing a BC variation plus or minus. Just if you held center within that vertical spread, and that's why he's doing all that bullet work, uniforming his meat plat and his nose, putting in the nose ring in there. That's to give his bullet more uniformity downrange. So when he's at these extended distances, his vertical spread is reduced even further. He's talking about, you know, reducing his vertical spread at a thousand yards by two thirds of the amount. Mm-hmm. So if, if, it's, if it's a six inch vertical spread with no prep work for him, his prep work's giving him a two inch vertical spread. And part of that comes in with BC. And, and if you listen to that podcast with him talking, he talks about variation in BC a lot. He does. So it just goes to reinforces what we're talking about, that you have to line that BC up for you. And then it's a minor muzzle velocity tweak. Yeah. So cool, man. What else you guys got going before we get into the other? Uh, what else are we looking at? I think that was it for today, man. We, we were only out here for a few hours and uh, just kind of Yeah, two and a half out. hours it's, or so. It's, it's nice to have a, a personal range, that's for sure, to come out here and not have to deal with the, the public. Local, yeah, the local populace, the guys that are like, hey, uh, we're shooting at 400, don't shoot at 400. No, I wasn't going to anyways, but and then they just like, you're off the you're off the left side by two inches, and I'm like, what does two inches look like at 400 yards? <laughs> What's that like, like, give them give them, give mm-hmm. them some mills or something. Give them a good give them a call. Like, are you off the target by half a target? Or are you off the target by two targets? Like, what, like I don't measure know. that. I don't. Know. They got a reticle. They got a calibrated ruler right in front of their nose. So it's just nice to it. come out here and relax and not have to worry about that stuff and. Run suppressed. Did we learn? And then we got to give a shout out to Leonard of Canada 
for yeah the maple syrup dude i'm gonna be the breakfast ninja tomorrow there you go i'm gonna tell my kids i tapped into a maple tree i'm not gonna give you any credit leonard i'm just gonna i'm gonna take all He's that credit but i highly appreciate it i'm gonna probably take a shot of that before i get on the road today nice dude yeah. you're gonna drink it yeah he, dude, I'm gonna he, leonard, leonard he was like laughing when i when i broke out the the, the the package in the bottle and all that stuff he's like dude this is the crown royal of maple, maple syrup. syrup. Yeah, I mean, look at the packaging. Yes, it looks like and it I looks like super troopers yeah. that shit. And I just just her back. Bloop, yeah. bloop, bloop. I'm gonna <laughs> take a couple chugs of it, dude. It's gonna be awesome, and uh, uh, I will wear that uh, that Canuck patch with pride. And, and, so and I think it was yesterday. I grabbed like pancake mix, doubled up on it. I grabbed two boxes of pancake mix yesterday, the day before when I went to a grocery store. Just because I knew I had that Crown Royal friggin' maple syrup waiting for it. I totally forgot that you, you, when we were talking on the phone the other day, you're like, hey, I got a bottle of maple syrup for you. I was like, oh, okay. And then when you brought it here, I was like, oh my God, it's in a gift bag. It's got freaking, it had a, did you put that together for me? Or no, was that's, that, how that, that's how we did it. That's okay. That's how Leonard did it. Got, it's got uh, gift paper in it and everything. The little, uh, what is that, the... Stuff that you... Yeah, and, and just so you guys know, TSA tried to fucking get a hold of it because, like, when I got home from tra- traveling on Monday, yeah. I freaking take, take all... And I put my bag out by the laundry room. I'm throwing my shit in to wash all my stuff. Sure as hell, TSA went in my bag and their little love note was there. Hey, we went in your bag, dudes, because it was... They wrapped they touched our, all up on your maple syrup. They wanted our fucking maple syrup, man. Uh, they were like, dude, I'm touching your maple syrup. Mine's factory sealed. I know they didn't mess with mine. Yeah, you, for all I know, they fucking teabagged the lid on this, man. Fatibate. So I don't know. But uh, yeah, so we're all good. Um, thank you guys for listening. Thanks, everybody, for responding on the Podbean and the different stuff. Thanks for all the love. The, yeah, all the love. The, the stuff in the forum. You guys have been really making the forum stuff it, you know, go up on, to another level. I do like the controversy stuff, too. I kind of lurk in and kind of see yeah. what's going on. I don't get too involved in it. because I got a, a bunch of, of calls. I got to watch what I say. You don't have to watch what you, what you say. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to back out of this one. I'm not going to say that. Nah, I'm good. I'm yeah. Good. I, and, and like I said, man, it's minor. I Because I, I called Aaron out a little bit yesterday in, 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 in the last podcast. And he called me, of course. He's like, dude, it wasn't me. I'm like, all right, man. And he gave me his, he gave me his deal. So we had some people that told me he wrote the letter. He said he didn't. I'm going to take his word for it. I got no reason to doubt him. Oh, I don't even know about this. Th- this is old. We're going back two years, which is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, with the, yeah, with yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. We're going back years. But at SHOT Show, what, what he didn't, he, he kind of got blindsided a little bit. At SHOT Show, three people came up to me, like unsolicited, and said, guess who did it? And I'm like, who did it? And they pointed to him. Because he has an <laughs> IT background, but... <laughs> I think they were kind of, he's like, no, no, no. He would admit it, I think, at that point. But, and, and then Jacob hit him up, and Jacob's like, hey, dude, I heard you're the guy. And he's like, no, why is everybody coming at me? So he, he's saying. Frank he, dropped a dime. I did drop, but it wasn't me. There was other people. And then I dropped it on the podcast. But I just went, but you know what? You're just like the biggest potster I've ever met <laughs> yeah, yeah. in my life. I've met some big potsters, but you're like, you got the whisk and a cauldron. You're just like. That shit goes from zero to one eighty on their code. Yeah, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a shit stir, man. Yeah. But hey, you know, it's funny. You, it, 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 to be honest with you, you have to have. He, a good he, sense he of humor. fed me a little bit that I think takes me a little farther down the road. <laughs> so I think I kind of I'm doing my investigative stuff. Right. Because you guys don't realize I was a PA a PI for years, man. Right. I had a PI license out of New York and Connecticut. You're spying on. I was people. spying on people and shit. You so can I got fit in like little things. You're like the dude in the mailbox. That's yeah, like, totally. Like Ace Ventura when they're. 
like putting stuff in the mailbox and you like grab it? I, I had like an ex in law call me yesterday, and she and, and she must be traveling a bunch. She wanted to know how to find hidden cameras in her hotel room. I'm like, get a bug scanner. Yeah, like yeah, they, they got that. Yeah, shit. And I'm yeah. like, ah, you know, but she didn't want to spend the two to four hundred bucks. I'm like, hey, I can't help you there. And I'm like, I. Can you, What's she worried about? What kind of hotel? She exactly, because I guess Florida. She's in Florida, so I guess Florida. They do weird shit. They do. Florida. Florida. All those fun. stories are true, man. They target. Uh, they target tourists, man. It's, yeah, it's crazy down there. I was watching. Uh, so it's you're like so or whatever. You're there at Disney. Your kids are in the other room watching freaking Disney flicks, and you're trying to get it on with the wife and stuff. And there's somebody with a freaking hidden camera filming you, and you're on yeah. like DisneyTouristPorn.com. <laughs> you know, we seen you. <laughs> <laughs> we see you. I'm a Google that when I get home. Someone's <laughs> driving home right now. They're like, oh, hold on. Hope. What was that? Rewind that real quick. Yeah, yeah. What was that website called? You're like you're like under like hidden camera amateurs. Dot <laughs> <laughs> net. Dot net. <laughs> Slash org. Oh, Anyways. Alrighty, guys. That was fun, guys. Yes, thank you. And uh, coming up to ninety nine, we got some stuff sorted out for you. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for sharing. Coming up to a hundred. Hundred. Oh, this we're ninety nine. We're at ninety nine. We're coming up to a hundred. Stay tuned for one hundred. All right. One zero zero. There you go, guys. Peace. Cheers. <laughs>